Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Military families are not like your traditional family. They are strong, brave, resilient, and some of the most incredible people I know. My name is Gracie, a U.S. Army brat, and I am your host. I am honored to be able to give military family members like myself a place for them to share their stories and experiences in the military life. Stay tuned for this week's guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Grace of Military Child in Life. Today, I am super excited to have Marna on, who is a military brat, an army brat specifically herself. So Marna, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm just fine. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell me what it was like being an army brat for you growing up military. You know, I loved it. I, I have always felt that army brats are special. Any of the military brats are special. But um, I looked at the travel that I got to do and the different states and different countries that I got to go to that my cousins did not. And I always felt, I hate to say this, but I always felt a little bit superior to them because (laughs) I didn't get to do this traveling. Yeah. No, I think that's that's one of the big perks of military life. No matter, um, you know, service member, spouse, or child, you get to do so much traveling and exploring literally the entire world. You do. And um, seeing the different cultures, um, seeing things. We were stationed when I was quite small in um, Manila the Philippines. And um, it was, I want to say 1948. And I remember my parents taking us downtown. And I remember the bombed out buildings from World War II. And of course, that was just, what, a couple years, couple, three years after the war ended. So of course, they hadn't done much yet on rebuilding. And even at that age, I knew what, um, what the buildings meant. Yeah. And that's hard to see, you know, even now, you know, my generation looking around, we think 9-11, you know, that was our big, our big moment. And looking back and, you know, I wasn't even born yet. So it it was quite a while. And you know, just thinking about those days and I couldn't imagine walking around and seeing, you know, buildings bombed from from World War II and the impact that would have. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I um I think about it often actually and think, wow, that's a piece of history that I would not wish on anybody. Not that it was uh Oh, I can't think of the word I want. Not that it was traumatic to me because I was uh, five and six at the time. So I wasn't old enough to really know the tragedy behind it and the, the devastation behind it. I just knew that this is what we were seeing. And everything else was fine. You know, my family was fine and 
I think as military children, we feel those, you know, like you said, that trauma, that empathy, you know, I think we feel it a lot stronger because we know the service and sacrifice and dedication, you know, of Mm -hmm. our parents, of our service members, of our veterans. And so I think we do have much stronger of, of a feel for it rather than, you know, someone else who may have not experienced it, even not firsthand, but even secondhand. Right. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like growing up in other countries? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I know that there are families who don't have that experience. Um, and I always blame the parents for that. A wife, a military wife has a lot of responsibility. The husband has his job to do. Her job is to make sure that uh, everything goes smoothly in the family. And that I never knew, for example, we were stationed in Turkey in the 50s. And I never knew that my mother especially was afraid and was so thankful when we left because things were kind of up in the air and iffy. Americans were really not liked at the time we were there. Although, again, I really didn't know that. Now, by that time, I was 12. And perhaps I should have, but I wasn't cognizant of um, the feelings. But I have a funny story to tell, if I may. Yes, go for it. When we were there, um, we lived in a brand new apartment complex, and uh, it was three stories high, two apartments to a floor, and um, the owner, the landlord, was a physician, Dr. Balkan, and he lived on the same floor that we did on the opposite side. And our electricity started getting cut off. Nobody else in the apartment complex had that problem except us. And finally, my father went to Dr. Balkan and asked what was going on. And he said, well, he didn't know he would check it out. So he did. And he comes back and he is just laughing like crazy. And he said, well, he said, each apartment is connected to a different electrical line. And he said, whenever the Turks get mad at the Russians, they turn off their electricity at the Russian embassy. And so when the electricity at the Russian embassy was turned off, of course, ours was too. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) That is too funny. It it was. And you, you don't think about things like that. Little things that countries do to other countries, I think, to annoy or or get back at or however you want to phrase it. But yeah, I always laugh when I think of that. (laughs) (laughs) We lived right behind the Russian or the American embassy and the Russian embassy was just a few blocks down from where we lived. So we were close by, of course. Yeah. And it's so crazy to think, you know, 
how interconnected everything is that absolutely your apartment would be impacted by that i know that is so incredible and see those are the little nuances of this lifestyle that you just have to deal with sometimes and fight through yes yes yeah we had um the the apartment building the apartments were connected by a stairwell and you went up the stairwell through the attic and then you could go down the stairwell on the other side and the attic was open there was a roof of course but it was pretty much open there were no rooms designated rooms or that kind of thing and the carpeggi the janitor and his family lived up there until uh, garages the landlord had garages built for the americans for their automobiles and he had two extra garage units built and that then became the carpegies home so they lived in two single car garage spaces wow the family of four and i found that interesting yeah just little things yeah so many different and you've it's interesting because you get to travel the world and you get to go to different countries and experience the cultures and the way they even within the states within you know this country we're able to to be stationed all over the place and experience the cultures you know i was stationed um my family lived in ohio and then we were stationed in san antonio at fort sam and then my dad retired and we moved to florida and so even just experiencing the different cultures within this country is incredible exactly i grew up for the most part um we were from california and the majority of my father's uh duty stations were on the east coast so georgia well we we started in in the philippines and went to kansas then to georgia then to rhode island uh turkey and back um to Fort Lewis, Washington, Carlisle Barracks in Pennsylvania, back to Rhode Island. My goodness. So, but we were lucky. My father was an officer. And so we were moved during the summer, not during the school year. So yeah. I never, my brother and I never experienced um being pulled from a school and going into a new school during the school year. We were very fortunate that way. Yeah. It's hard moving in the middle of the school year and, you know, credits don't transfer and classes don't transfer and you have to retake classes and, you know, everyone's already so used to their schedules and their rhythm and routine that they're going through. And then you're like, pulled out from it and thrown into something else. And it's, it's really chaotic. And, you know, I only had to do that once, thankfully, but, you know, to so many kids do that on a 
regular basis. On a regular basis. And and the enlisted seem it seems to happen to them more often, I think, than to the the officers. And I hate to say it, but I think it's very unfair. Yeah. No, I agree. And I mean, a lot of families that I talk to say that they they're on somewhat of a schedule where they either move during Christmas break or during summer break. So then, you know, you finish out a semester um, right. in a school. But even then, it's so, so hard to move in that winter break time frame. And you still have to get used to a whole new class. You have to get used to a whole new, your parents have to transfer your schools within such a short period of time. And then, you know, unpacking a house and so many other things that go on top of it. That go on top of it, making new friends. Yes. And that's the hardest thing to do. Yes. That's, it's, I think uh, military brats have an easier time of it because it is expected of them. Right. And again, the parents pay a really large um, play a, a large part in how you are how accepting you are of a new new place. I found as a teacher that if the mother did not like for example, I was at Fort Huachuca in Arizona, and we were out in the boonies. I, you know, yeah. Fort Huachuca, Sierra Vista, is is eighty miles from Tucson, which was the largest city around <laughs> our part of the world, and um, a lot of parents, a lot of especially the wives, didn't like it. And that, and they made it known within the family, which transfers to the child. Right. Luckily, I wasn't raised by that kind of a mother. She, we were always encouraged, you know, this is a new opportunity and look at the new, new friends you're going to meet and look at the old friends that we're going to be stationed with again. And that was the way my life went. Yeah, And I appreciate that in my parents because I later saw a whole different side to, to the, the influence the parents had on, on the attitude of the children. Right. Yeah. And that's huge because if, you know, you walk around somewhere and I will say like, I, when I got to Texas, I didn't like it. I just wanted to go back home to Ohio because that's what I knew as home. When I got to Florida, Mm -hmm. I didn't like it here. I wanted to go back home to what then I knew as Texas. Um, And now I'm like, I'm done with Florida again, you know, after being here a decade. But, you know, you really get what you make of it. And so if you go out and explore and have those, view it as a new opportunity, 
then you are going to have a much better outlook on the life because you could be in the worst area of the world. You could be in, you know, the desert. You could be in the middle of nowhere, which a lot of bases are tend to be in the middle of nowhere. Um, But you could be in the middle of nowhere and still make the best out of it and have the best experience that you can. You just have to, to put in the effort. And you're right, it does stem a lot from from you know the exterior sources that you're you're hearing if your parents don't like it there then you're not going to like it there if you view it as a new opportunity and something new to explore and experience you're going to have a whole other outlook on it yes definitely yeah what was it like teaching military kids after being one yourself um I loved it yeah I loved my kids um, one thing that I did do as we were a very small district, there were only three schools, um, one held first through third. My school had kindergarten, fourth and fifth grades. Wow. And then there was the junior high, which was six through eight. Um, I forget where I was going with that, <laughs> but but um, because we were small, in the beginning, I was allowed to do a lot of field trips, and knowing from personal experience that a lot of parents don't take their kids out and about, you know, once they're on, on post, they're on post, and they don't leave it. I knew that a lot of them would not get to Tucson to see the desert museum or the zoo or the um, um, college. We, I took them a couple of times to the college, once to the museum there and once to the observatory. And I took them to Cochise's stronghold, which uh, the story goes that, when things got rough and the the cavalry came after the Cochise's tribe, he would take them to the stronghold, which was surrounded by big rocks. And um, they would hole up there. And after a few days, the warriors would sneak away, leaving the women and children, so that when the cavalry finally did get into that area, all the was there were women and children and I was able to take my children there um and these are places that the majority of them would not have gone if it hadn't been for the field trips and I think that was real important yeah that was something that was dear to my heart yeah until I had to give it up it's really fun to to get out and explore those places and I think getting Uh to do it with your classmates is a whole other experience and you know your friends because like you said so many you know because Tucson is so far so many kids won't get to you know go out and experience that and once you're on base you don't leave base um and like there's one time in Texas and I was in fourth grade 
and we took a field trip to the Alamo and I had been to the Alamo before, you know, that was something, you know, when we got to San Antonio, it was like, cross it off your bucket list. We went to the Alamo. Um, Mm -hmm. And when friends would come, they were like, let's go to the Alamo. So we'd been there a bunch of times, but going to the Alamo with my class and my teacher and going to, I believe we saw an IMAX movie um, at a theater up the street and, you know, doing things like that, going to the art museum, you know, with my class, things like that are just so fun and memories that I think you look back on school and you're like, oh, I don't want to go to school. I don't like going to school. Um, I loved learning. So I always wanted to go to school. Um, but you look back on that and you look back on field trips and that's really what shines and those um, connections you can make with kids and your teachers during those times are really special and valuable, especially in the military world. I think so too. And, and as I said, I just, I um, took my kids to two back, which is an old, um, it started out as a uh, Spanish stronghold. And they were there to protect the the uh, Tumacacri, um mission, which is just down the street. Well, while we were there, we went to the museum at Tubac. And uh, one of the docents showed the kids how to load an old um, musket. Wow. And the time, the the different steps that you had to take to to be able to do it, and how long it took to do it. It isn't something that happened. Just you pick up the gun and it's ready, and you shoot it. Right. There there were three or four steps that you had to do before you were ready to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and just just little things like that how the Indians ground their corn, for example, or made their tortillas or made their uh, food. We got to see some of that. And um, again, it's a different culture. And, oh, they did that? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, and I think having being a military child yourself you're able to come in and see hey no these are the fun things that you can do as a military kid you travel the world you experience different cultures you you know get to learn about things that you wouldn't have learned about seeing in you know your hometown for all your life and people ask me they're like well what is what makes them being a military kid so special like what is that and I'm like we get to travel the world. Like, sure, I only lived in three different state and states, but it's like I get to experience so much more. And I've gotten to travel so much because of the military lifestyle and visit new places. And, you know, I've been to Scotland before and that was an incredible experience. And so, you know, doing things like that, I think really builds the character. And so, you know, not in necessarily a negative way, but I feel sorry for those kids who don't get to travel the world, you know, who aren't necessarily raised military and, you know, also instilling the um, reminder of freedom and how freedom isn't free, you know, that there's a price paid for what we get to do. Exactly. 
and um, being an army brat kind of gave me a a little bit of a head start with the children because I knew what they were going through and what they had or hadn't experienced or close to what they had or hadn't experienced. Right. And um, I felt that was a plus in my favor as, as far as being able to understand them and, and work from a positive. Yeah. Cause I'm sure they were able to connect with you on a such deeper level because you knew what they were going through or somewhat Mm -hmm. something super close to it rather than, you know, some other teachers who may not have experienced it and gone through the life of a military child. And, you know, even one of the teachers that I loved, she was a military wife herself. And so she worked in the schools and, um, she understood. She knew exactly, you know, we could come to school with a bad attitude and we could go straight to her classroom and be like, we are going through something. (laughs) Like, And she knew. She understood. She was a military wife. She got it. She understood. She was raising military kids. Um, She's moved before, so it wasn't her first rodeo. And, you know, another teacher, she was born in the UK and grew up over overseas and even though she was in a military kit she knows what it's like to drop everything and move you know Um, and so having those foundations and those relationships with teachers really impacts you know students education and how that you know how it shapes them in the future I always felt that being a military child gave me more confidence Mm -hmm. and um a social awareness that my cousins didn't have until they were adults and yeah. even then sometimes i wonder <laughs> <laughs> yes um it does you you're a little bit more sophisticated i think yeah you're definitely <laughs> way more aware mm-hmm of what's going on around you and what's going on in this world, in this country. And because you're seeing it firsthand, you're seeing, you know, your service member, your parent leave to, to go fight in a war or to, you know, protect the country, even if it's just a training mission, you know, Mm -hmm. you're seeing Mm -hmm. all of this firsthand and you're experiencing it and feeling it. And if you don't feel it firsthand, then, you know, you're most likely not going to experience it. Well, I remember in Turkey, our first, um, Turkey was a two-year tour, unlike Germany, which is usually a three- or four-year tour. Mm-hmm. Turkey was two. Well, we got there, and my father was immediately sent out to the field, and he was in a totally different part of Turkey. For the first year we were there, he would he would go out and be gone for a month or a month and a half, and he would come home for a week or 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 two, and then he would go back again. 
And so my mother was pretty much alone that first year as far as um, dealing with everyday occurrences. And that in itself is a lesson. Yeah. When you're in a foreign country in with a language that you can't speak or don't speak and um, things are are a little bit shaky. And by that, I mean, um, I remember one story that was going around was of a woman who my mother loved to play bridge. And this woman did as well. And when the foursome, when they were finished with their bridge, she got a cap because most people did. Um, I think there were no American women, at least, who drove in Ankara until my mother got her driver's license. Oh, and wow. then, yeah. But Anyway, she got in the cab and being funny, she says, home, James. And he took her home. She didn't give him her address. Wow. You're home, James. Now, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. And growing up and living in places like that where you don't even, you can't even necessarily comprehend, you know. Mm -hmm. Is happening. So, yeah, you have to be so, so aware, you know, of everything happening around you, especially as a military kid. Well, you do. Um, we were told not to bring our dog, our pet dog. Um, because at that time we were told the Turks did not like dogs. They liked cats because Ataturk, the president, the, he's, Ataturk was like our president Washington to the Turks. This was Ataturk. And so anything that he liked and, and so on and so forth was sacrosanct. And the one of my classmates, his dog followed him to school one day. And one of the policemen, the Turkish policemen, shot him. My goodness. In front of us. We had, all of us had run out to get him to stop and tell him this was, this was Barry's dog. You know, he'd take him home. It'd be okay. And he didn't listen. He just shot him in front of all of us. Wow. That is insane. Because, you know, growing up here, you're like, okay, like it's normal. You know, I don't remember many years where we didn't have a dog. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is not normal for other countries, at, you no. know, in different time periods. Yeah. It's the the way you're so culturally aware as military kids is incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you become so rapidly. Yes. <laughs> yes. You really have to quickly adapt to wherever you, you are. 
And yet I find it, my son and I were talking about this not too long ago. He was stationed in Italy, in Naples. And he said he chose to live on the economy, which, as you know, means living outside of the base or mm-hmm. post, living in the town nearby. And um, but a lot of a lot of families don't. They choose to live on in quarters that uh, have been set aside for them on an American base or post. And he said the majority of people who chose to live on post base, excuse me, one is Navy, <laughs> the other is Army and Air Force. But um, he said those who chose to live on base didn't leave base. So they didn't see the the wonders, um, Pompeii and Herculaneum and um all the things to see there in in the area. They didn't go to Rome or they didn't go to Pisa Mm -hmm. to see these things. And not only the adults, but the children miss out on so much when you are so afraid of somebody else's culture that you don't even leave face to get gasoline for the car kind of thing, you know. Right. Yeah, it's so important to get out there and explore. And especially uh-huh. when you have the opportunity to be somewhere that you've never been before. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. the last thing I want to ask you is what advice would you give to a military child? My parents never took us to see things unless somebody came to visit. And you you kind of touched on that a little bit earlier in our conversation. And it tickles me because I've always said, well, we didn't get to see this and this and this because nobody came to visit. <laughs> I would encourage the children to encourage their parents to get out and go and see things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would encourage them to look on the positive side of a new transfer, oh, we're going to be moving to, and look as it as a, a wonderful opportunity to make new friends and meet old ones. Right. Yeah, I love that. And I, I don't know if you found that to be true in your life where um, after a while, in the beginning, you were making new friends. But after a while, you were greeting old friends as well as making new friends because people that you had been stationed with in the Philippines, for example, showed up on the train station when we pulled into Ankara. There were a couple of men that uh, my father had served with and they were on on the station, at the station, picking up somebody from the train. And he just happened to run into them, not knowing that they were already there in Ankara. And those things happen. So it's, I think it's important that military brats know that. You know, they're not going to be all alone. There, There are new friends out there and there are old friends out there to greet. 
Yeah. And even, you know, now we have technology and it's so easy to stay connected between different friends and, you know, exactly. even if you never get stationed with them again, like it's still so easy to stay in touch with them. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Marna, for being on the podcast and sharing what it was like being a military brat. Well, you certainly are welcome, and I enjoyed visiting with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like, follow, and comment. Also, be sure to check out Instagram and Facebook at Grace of a Military Child and Life for more awesome content. For information on the podcast, Military Child Bigs and Littles, Go AMCL blog, or other resources, visit www.goamcl.org. You can also email me at gracie, that's G-R-A-C-I-E at G-O-A-M-C-L dot org with any questions or comments. To be a guest on the podcast, you can schedule it at www.goamcl.org forward slash schedule a podcast, all one word, or contact me via social media or email. Stay tuned for the next episode where another incredible story is shared.